Welcome to another episode of the Indian Cycling Podcast brought to you by the Bike Affair. This is your co-host Gokul. Harsha is yet to start back on uh, the podcast because he is still busy with work and uh, hopefully he will be able to join next time. Today we are uh, uh, just witnessed the end of the road cycling season. So we will analyze that and to do that I have uh, Sandeep with me. Uh, Sandeep Krishna is a very avid cyclist and uh, I I always look up to him to hear his inputs on uh, the uh, the progress of a race or a particular racer and his thoughts on how a race uh, transpired so I'm really happy to have him uh, on this podcast with whom we can uh, discuss the uh, strange uh, season that 2020 has been welcome uh, Sandeep Thank you, Gokul, for having me on the podcast. It's uh, a privilege to be talking to you about uh, the cycling season. Interestingly, I started watching uh, pro racing at the Bike Affair. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, it was one of, you know, the old store at the uh, at the Kondapur uh, cement go-down place, remember? Correct, so of course. <laughs> that's where... Uh, so, Sandeep, uh, uh, before we really start digging into this year's season uh, tell us uh, what got you interested in these races uh, from the time of uh, 2011 interesting question gokul <laughs> <laughs> so uh, since i started watching the sport actively in 2011 or mm. uh, I, i i think i saw a, almost a year full of season mm. trying to learn what exactly was happening and i saw a very interesting pattern mm. in the entire pro tour mm. and in the entire calendar every race had a different dynamic to it correct you know there were different uh, distances different terrains hills and uh, you know sometimes there were cobbles mm. cobbled cobbled uh, climbs as well and then uh, when you add uh, the weather conditions and the temperatures and team dynamics it was it was not just something about uh, a rider a being the the you know the fastest rider in the world and he he's going to win everything he enters and i realized that every day could be a different day and uh, a different rider could be the most suitable rider or uh, the the best possible candidate to win a day of racing mm-hmm. and that found, i found it very fascinating to actually watch how every day unfolded in a different way and how team dynamics in fact so many times changed the way racing happened correct almost like chess in a way right because correct, uh, you cannot foretell how uh, for example if peter sagan was the let's say the, the strongest rider in in a specific year he would still lose let's say 70% of his rides or or of his races days obviously yeah so which is amazing mm, right mm, yeah uh, in fact I, i think from that point of view uh, this year is a fantastic year to analyze because it has broken traditions and you know uh, like we will go on to discuss you now people had to come up with newer strategies and uh, absolutely because uh, what was happening over a much longer period of time and uh, also we had lot of uh, prime candidates uh, Uh, crashing out and getting injured and things like that so the team dynamics actually changed in between the uh, the progression of a tour as well so and uh, it was more uh, uh, highlighted this year i guess but i will tell you one thing 
uh, while you said what was most exciting i was scared to watch these races <laughs> one of the biggest uh, drawbacks uh, for me was i couldn't pronounce any of these guys names the new guys uh, they, you know not only new guys because all these guys are european and you know slovenian and uh, uh, peter sagan is probably one one reason is popular i think his name is very easy to pronounce <laughs> <laughs> try pronouncing tau gegen hart no wow. nobody even yeah. can uh, so lot of these names are very difficult so don't get scared by the names you can uh, pronounce the name way you want but i used to uh, find it very difficult to remember these guys names because in uh, in other walks of life we don't hear such uh, uh, exotic names exotic names yeah. you know matthew anderpol wout van art we don't know who is you uh, know their their names also seem very similar <laughs> so it's very difficult to different the first uh, tour uh, or the race that we analyze let's start with the the biggest of all uh, the tour de france this year it happened to be the first of the three tours because uh, usually in the calendar the giro d'italia is the first but uh, because uh, italy was in the heart of the pandemic around that uh, originally planned time that was pushed much later and uh, the tour de france became the first race so and also it was um, very interestingly kind of very early once the lockdown lifted in europe and people the races started happening so there are a lot of new dynamics and uh, uh, like you know people were yet to get into their rhythm or form because they had very few days of racing on their legs before it started off and uh, as if uh, this all this was not enough even before the race started usually uh criterium du dauphiné is a precursor to to the form of the various racers and uh, in that itself um, uh, jaren thomas and uh, chris froome were not in their best shape and both of them were dropped from the uh, team genius uh, grenadiers even before the race started so which it started off with a kind of a controversy already right so so how did you see this happening so from not going to the tour was pretty much yeah. uh, very likely he had that horrible horrific crash last year in criterium du dauphin mm. uh, he broke his uh, femur yeah. the thigh bone and he an elbow many things <laughs> <laughs> right so he was a walking skeleton for <laughs> months and uh, it was just a miracle that he was you know even racing this year correct and uh, gone conclusion that from was not going to the tour mm. but i think uh, gerant thomas not going was a bigger surprise yeah uh, gerant has been very uh, you know very consistent over the last couple of years at the tour mm. he won in 18 and in 19 he was second only to his own teammate mm. egan bernal i think it was very uh, likely he was going everybody had kind of mm. assumed that mm-hmm. and almost a week or back before the tour was supposed to start uh, the team in yours principal dave mm. Sir Dave Brailsford actually announced that you know they mm. rejigged their team, mm. and Grant was just going to zero instead. Mm. And there was an interview in which he looked so glum announcing it himself. <laughs> yeah. You okay. know, it felt like you know he was there sitting at a dentist's place or something, <laughs> waiting for tooth canal or something, or uh, something like that. Uh, you are talking of uh, Sir Dave Brailsford or uh, Gerant Thomas? Gerant. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked like it was very much forged on him. He yeah. was not in agreement with that. Yeah. so he was he was definitely very disappointed and i think he would have done uh, i i think he would have done well the tour 
is it okay yeah i mean because uh, almost at the same time tirreno adriatico the uh, one week 10 mm. day uh, stage race occurred in italy and he, he did pretty well mm mm-hmm. so it was it was a little brutal i would say of uh, the team management to drop you know mm. their most successful rider after froome mm. but that's how team ineos is as we have seen it it is just extremely professional to the point of being brutal yeah, it's also possible that they know something which we don't know right that is yeah that is also possible yeah so uh, coming to the the, the actual uh, two de france you know itself uh, roglic was in superb form in uh, um, in the criterium and uh, he, he he seemed to be just taking that form of course the only question in people's minds were that uh, based on his past performances where he has blown in the last uh, week of the tour uh, whether he will he peaked too early and uh, he seemed to have had it in control and uh, just uh, uh, was taken away uh, literally stolen under his nose uh, uh, on the penultimate day of the tour so uh, walk us through that absolutely i mean roglic has been like the uh, rider for mm. the year mm. he has won pra- practically everything he has entered this year although it has been a shortish year mm. and uh, going into the tour he was definitely the number one favorite mm. and uh, the second being egan bernal again mm. the defending champion so it was looking like a very interesting competition coming between roglic versus bernal mm. both uh, supposedly in good form and both backed by a very strong team which is very critical for tour de france mm. so it was it was it looked like an even contest after a few years mm. to be honest uh, last few years if you see if you analyze mm. team sky or ineos has had a very uh, heavy stranglehold on the race mm. they would get the lead on the on the yellow jersey let's say as early as stage 5 or 6 and they would hold it right up to paris mm. uh, their team strength been so dominant uh, nobody has been able to challenge them for i think 5 odd years now mm. so this year was a refreshing year in that way because you know unfortunately for them mm. egan bernal had issues i mean mm. he had his back issues and all Mm. he was definitely not the same force and uh, roglic definitely came out on top mm. supported by a fantastic jumbo visma team mm, correct i mean uh, look at some of his teammates yeah. tom dumala mm. who has been an amazing rider over the last few years he was like a domestic for him he mm. was uh, pulling on the hills mm. and uh, very early on it was seen that he he was not going to really contest for the win mm. then you had wout wenart mm. again a fantastic and a versatile guy correct yeah he was winning winning bunch sprints you know mm. one of those uh, sprint days as well as pulling on the mountains correct yeah on uh, the galibier day mm. uh, or the columbia day i forget mm. he he actually pulled the entire peloton for uh, or the leaders for 6 or 7 kilometers mm. and uh, he actually dropped bernal that day <laughs> okay so i mean what a rider he was for roglic yeah i mean and uh, it is uh, very interesting that wout wenart also it almost looked like he he came with a purpose to uh, to show something because he had a very bad crash last year and he just uh, he lost a lot of time recovering from that uh, injury and it was but uh, quite a big comeback for him so it seems that he had lot of things to prove in this race yeah yeah and he and he did prove <laughs> i mean uh, even before tour de france course, he yeah. did prove it uh, you know and fantastic effort by him mm. and uh, 
apart from them they had other uh, you know stalwarts mm-hmm. you know for the jumbo visma team doing a great job yeah. so it looked like uh, you know roglic was absolutely in uh, pole position to win the tour mm. was sepkus also on the team in uh, during the tour yeah 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 sepkus yes. was the was his last man yeah. in the mountains yeah. and amazing uh, you know performance by the young american okay. and he looks like somebody who's going to win one of these tours mm. in in, a, in the next few years yeah the, the last weeks uh, uh, one of the stages i think the penultimate stage or something like that uh the commentators were very happy that they could see sepkus uh, breathing through his mouth on a climb <laughs> <laughs> so finally they were uh, because he has always been uh, you know not even breathing heavily on a, a, some of those huge uh, climbs uh, that uh, finally they were uh, all saying okay this guy is human that finally, he yeah. opened his mouth <laughs> yeah so yeah they he did he did have a big team then then how the hell did he lose it <laughs> <laughs> i think just two words yeah. tade pogachar i mean mm-hmm. that guy absolutely just blew it away mm-hmm. pretty much mm-hmm. he's a 21 year old i mean he was a 21 year old in tour de france and i think everybody knew that this guy is someone for the future mm-hmm. somebody who everybody thought was going to do well mm-hmm. in tour de france mm-hmm. but nobody really imagined he was going to win it okay. and, and in fact uh, uh, he proved all of us wrong as in how a tour de france is not one right i mean rather uh, how not uh, how it is difficult to win a tour de france right. he like uh, like jumbo visma was a great team he hardly had a team yeah. right like when he was riding always alone and uh, very rarely did he have any company from his teammates right, right. So, and uh, uh, in retrospect actually he did have a bad uh, crash and he got caught in the crosswinds in one of the early stages in the first week or second week and he lost around 20 30 seconds in that day so if if it was not for that you would have been a even bigger win for him over uh, uh, uh or roglic and both these guys are yeah. from the same country and it was the first time somebody from slovenia won and uh, did he carry the the loss of from their nationals because he did uh, pogachar did beat uh, uh, roglic in the team time uh, sorry the individual time trial in the nationals i don't right. know whether that had anything to do or if at all it had to do he should have been more prepared i guess <laughs> roglic i think okay so a, a funny story about pogachar was that uh, his team uae emirates mm-hmm. so they were trying to hide his form oh okay so they were aware pretty much during the early part of the lockdown that he was in an immense form okay. even at that point and they were trying to ask him to take a break uh-huh. so that you do not burn yourself out before tour de france okay okay and even uh, before the tour de france was supposed to start uh, their uh, you know their director sportif alan piper again a very uh, old timer in the sport he was touting fabio aru <laughs> Oh okay he was saying that Fabio is our leader mm. and Pogachar would basically work for, for for him and try to learn the ropes so from the playing the bluff, bluff huh yeah they were trying to play the bluff mm. and okay. they were trying to hide how good Pogachar was actually oh, okay okay in fact i i i was listening to i don't remember who it was one of his teammates uh, who said that he had recorded it so well and he was super confident of it and uh, no he 
he won more than a minute right on uh, pagachar close to 2 minutes i think on the time trial yeah he actually he was down a minute mm. before the iitt and he won the overall by nearly a minute yeah. so yeah he mm. took 2 minutes on that iitt yeah so and uh, doing that without riding with a power meter without riding with a with a head unit and uh, and he had also instructed his team uh, team boss not to give him any uh status updates as to how he was doing whether he was gaining or losing time so he was completely riding that time trial by feel right. so i think he must have you know really understood or recorded it enough to have that level of confidence truly i mean yeah, yeah that was a very special day i feel mm. that time trial yeah usually time trial days are boring to watch on <laughs> the television Mm. because it's everybody just doing Correct. their own thing and you know the uh, the tv monitors just showing you the gaps mm. at the very end mm. it's not exactly fun mm. but that day was just stunning i mean the way pogachar blew everybody out mm. and i mean you, you remember the look of uh, wout van aert and dumoulin at yes, the finish exactly they exactly. were the mouths are open i mean Correct. unbelievable display by the young slovenian and mm. you know, they had no words yeah and you know tom dumelin has been the past uh, world champion uh, uh, time trialist and uh, yeah. he beat both of uh, both wortanart and uh, tom dumelin and it was not as if uh, roglic had a bad day roglic had a decent day yeah. but it's just that pogachar had an outstanding day yeah i think it was one of those uh, days that you remember yeah. for years you know the way he blew away everybody correct correct so now that we have talked about uh, the tour de france let's move on to a few of the uh, single day races uh, uh, let's talk about uh, the world championship and uh, the tour of flanders uh, so do you want to call it tour of flanders or by its belgian oh, name uh, ronde van vlanderen yes yes i <laughs> i would love to that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah so yeah, you know my history with uh, names <laughs> <laughs> but you've been lucky to have ridden some of those famous tour of flanders climbs you know yeah yeah in fact i uh, uh, i was staying uh, uh, thanks to uh, the family of uh, one of the boys i used to uh, coach uh, i got a chance to ride and stay in uh, uh, that region last year i was staying just behind the uh, The, the Flanders Museum. Wow! So it was just uh, the the essentially I was staying in a hotel which was in between the Flanders Museum and the uh, town center. So at Audenard. So so I I got to ride three of these uh, classic routes on three days: uh, Ghent, Wevelgem on day one, and then the uh, uh, Tour of Flanders route on day two. And the last day I I got to ride in uh, the Paris Roubaix route. So wow. uh, so. <laughs> Uh, and uh, like uh, it was the hottest day in many of those regions ever recorded no and uh, i remember the day i finished uh, the uh, rubey route when i had to come back many of the trains were cancelled because of the heat and uh, i didn't understand what had the heat got to do with the trains so then the lady explained that uh, it was so hot that the electrical lines uh, bear at the risk of be getting snapped uh-huh. melting and getting snapped so it was so hot i i 
did a tour of flanders in uh, hyderabad weather 42 degrees wow. <laughs> so gokul if if i had a choice mm. to select one race day which mm. i would want to uh, watch the race live and you know in person at that place mm. i would pick two different uh, tour of flanders mm-hmm. and i would like to be at the old quarrymont mm-hmm. you know that famous cobbled climb mm-hmm. which is the you know the place first of all you uh, all the riders will ride that uh, hill about three or four times correct and the decisive attack usually happens on it correct correct so that would be my favorite place to actually watch some live action in a calendar yeah yeah i mean in fact uh, those are uh, some unbelievable uh, uh, sections you know in fact i i remember uh, when i was riding the paterberg uh, after i got used to cleats i think that was the only place where i was scared i would not be able to uncleat in time because it's uh, i think it uh, it averages uh, 10 plus percentage t- right 14% 14 okay. and i think it touches 18% or so and uh, it's on cobbled things uh, and you enter the cobbled section of a 90 degree right turn so you have to get it at speed no uh, right. so you if you don't build that momentum you are out and uh, you again you exit at a 90 degree left turn i remember i started on the leftmost side and i i didn't do anything i was just trying to hold the handlebar i just finished on the rightmost side so you have absolutely no control over those uh, cobbles pre cobbles and it, it, it was no the, there was no rain that day it was very dry but still it was just that you know the the cobbles are so bad and you know you just don't have any control the wheel just moves i don't know how people attack in those no i was just uh, uh, just happy that i did not have to unclick no that was my only goal that i and i think i had to do i could do it only on the second attempt so the first attempt i was too scared and i just uh, got down in the middle somewhere but i i did come back and do it so uh, and it is you just cross into france which is hardly 30 kilometers and then you have uh, the parisian cobbles which are so much different far worse right they are they are far more rugged worse. they are yeah they are much worse and uh, much worse in two sense one is the the surface and the the cobble stones are a little bit more primitive and they are all more in the flattish uh, sections and they are longer as well right so you take them at much higher speeds no uh, my lizine gps it broke off the mount now it's not that it popped off the the base of the cyclo computer it broke off just because of the rattles rattles and, and then i remember uh, and these are very difficult to navigate because you enter a cobble section and there might be four you may enter a four corner junction so uh, the the one of the reasons uh, the the last day was so tough was because i was riding with uh, holding the lizine in my hand on those cobble stones <laughs> at 40 degree c it was you know it was really painful yeah. <laughs> but uh, i was very lucky i didn't have a single flat <laughs> those cobbles uh, have such a fan following i mean mm-hmm. there is this club in france called the amd paris roubaix mm-hmm. so they actually conserve those uh, farm tracks and they in fact relay some of those cobble stone stretches correct to keep the legacy and the tradition of paris roubaix intact 
correct so it's yeah. it's a it's a different world out there and their love for those cobbled classics is different and the kind of riders who ride that is also very different correct correct so when i when i did that uh, the rubey route the first cobbled section i entered was one of the most notorious longer longish ones called the, the arenberg forest right. so that was the first cobble so i was in pure in two mode so like you said they had actually cordoned off the uh, the cobble section and there was a more sane section on the right and i was riding on this road and that was probably one of the very few riders i i saw in that entire ride and there was a lady who was riding a, a city bike on the regular road just parallel to this and she was looking at me as if i had gone nuts <laughs> because they uh, they had kind of cordoned it off and you know i just got into that you know Right. Into being the first section, I was very enthusiastic, and you know, you were driven by the Tom Boonen spirit or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, it went away very soon. <laughs> so, so on that note, let's move on to the World Championships. Uh, and this year, one of my favorite uh, present-day riders, uh, the the most exciting, Julian Alaphilippe, uh, he won it, and uh, in fact, it was uh, also. like sometimes the if you see the person who you like win it almost looks like a good omen uh, and i was getting into the a few days before uh, my everesting attempt and uh, when i saw on the sunday late night that uh, ala philip had won it was almost like a uh, god's uh, message to me that things are going to be fine <laughs> i won't screw up on the everesting so uh, yeah it was it was an exciting race to watch uh, what was your uh, take on that So the World Championships, just to kind of add a little context, okay. is a very uh, weird one-day race. Mm-hmm. You know, there uh, there are tons of other monument classics and other one-day classics, and one World Championships is first of all very prestigious. Correct. You actually uh, the winner actually gets to uh, uh, wear the rainbow jersey. Mm-hmm. So you are very very uh, visually uh, different from the entire peloton for the entire year up to the next world championships. So it's highly touted and very, uh, very much uh, you know seeken. The the rainbow jersey is very seeken by all the riders. Correct. But it's very different in the sense that your regular trade teams you know, they don't contest the uh, world championships. Mm-hmm. So it is actually competed against by the nations. correct so it's like france versus belgium versus germany versus italy so those teams actually compete against each other and try to win it also interestingly there are no race radios allowed for the world championship oh okay Maybe. so it's harder to control you have less information because mm. on a regular day you mm. have your race radio mm. where your uh, director sportives keep telling you details how far the breakaway is mm. who is behind you you know or watch out Uh, this turn coming etc so you have a lot of information handy mm. so no such thing for the world championship oh, okay. so much harder to control uh, and you're racing with your countrymen who you may not be racing with as teammates for the rest of the year correct so there is also the yeah. topic of split loyalties that day correct correct <laughs> so very very interesting and a weird uh, one day classic that happens as a part of the world championships And of of course the the world championships also has both the has the team time trial the individual time trial and the does it have a team time trial no they removed it yeah, a few okay. years back now yeah so it has the individual time trial and the uh, road race road race uh, as well 
so we are talking primarily of the road race uh, today so yeah uh, just to put things in context it is like you no know, it is very similar to most of the other sports nowadays which have the leagues like you no know, the premier league teams uh, have uh, lo- uh, you know, friendships built across uh, nationalities but then when you have world cup championships you go and play against each other but the the primary difference I, here i think is the fact that uh, you hardly ever race together as a nation right, in, in exactly. cycling whereas you are always throughout the year racing together as a trade team so that way uh, your your best friend may be from another country <laughs> yeah and you you you're not used to also you know riding with those uh, teammates of yours in mm. for the nation and interestingly everybody could be riding a different bike Correct, everybody yeah. could have a different helmet because mm. you know your sponsors for your trade teams give you your gear yeah only the the jersey mm. remains common so Correct. that's the factor as well so i think support wise also it's it's probably a little difficult to support multiple mm. bikes and multiple gear correct that yeah. day yeah cool and in fact you know it's very interesting uh, this is a weird race in the sense that up to the race everybody is contesting like crazy for it and as soon as you win then they call it the curse of the rainbow jersey <laughs> because you know it's like uh, trying to attack with a flag on the top you know because every race you ride after that for the rest of the year you are going to be wearing the rainbow jersey and going to be the most marked rider in any peloton right. so so while it is very sought after it is also known as uh, something which is very difficult to win another race wearing the rainbow jersey because you are you become one of the most uh, uh, marked riders in the peloton absolutely so how did uh, this year's uh, uh, mass start go so uh, first of all the race was originally planned for uh, uh, you know for the swiss correct you know area of uh, isle which is mm. where the uci is headquartered okay but because of covid mm. uh, you know switzerland essentially shut their doors mm-hmm. and so eventually uh, imola mm-hmm. region mm-hmm. in italy they finally got the rights to host that race mm-hmm. around the f1 circuit correct and the nearby hills mm-hmm. so they had nine loops for the men's race they had nine loops of a circuit totaling mm-hmm. a 258 km race mm-hmm. distance and they had i think two very steep hills mm-hmm. in each of those loops yet it changed the dynamics of the race because mm-hmm. the original swiss race was more uh, you know favorable to pure climbers mm-hmm. or more people like lighter climbers like nibali valverde mm-hmm. guys like that mm-hmm. but with the change in uh, the location again like we discussed it changed the dynamics mm. it was now more in favor of slightly classic types riders mm. like wout van art julian mm. ala philip mm. fugsang uh, kwitkowski even mm. sagan mm. so the, uh, the top favorites changed with this and the way it was raised was also changed in the sense that uh, you saw the french and the belgium team controlling race most of the day mm. Mm. uh and in fact uh, pogachar had a very good day he was just coming within a, within a 10 days of uh, the tour con- uh, concluding and i think uh, he had a bike change he had a mechanical issue he had a bike change and uh, he attacked on the penultimate uh, loop or uh, lap and uh, 
he broke away from the peloton and he actually con- uh, completed the penultimate loop uh, with a good uh, um, advantage over the rest of the peloton and then over the last lap he lost it yeah i think it was a very uh, critical attack mm. by pogacar for uh, you know slovenian team mm. they were they are not traditionally a very st- strong team mm. compared to let's say italy or belgium or spain even mm. so okay. but he he was used to going solo by this time <laughs> yeah no, but what it also did was that it forced the spanish and the belgium team to chase him mm-hmm. for nearly uh, one full loop they were chasing hard and knowing mm-hmm. pogacar and his form mm-hmm. they couldn't ignore him till you know much later but i think uh, finally uh, uh, roglic's uh, teammate uh, dumoulin caught him <laughs> yes yeah mm-hmm. dumoulin did catch him mm-hmm. but it burnt a lot of belgium and spanish Right, helpers ah yes. uh-huh, correct so it played it kind of leveled the playing field for slovenian uh, mm. team especially roglic if you see okay because they were anyway lacking in support mm. but they could burn out uh, the legs of a lot of these helpers mm. from spain and uh, belgium mm. by making them chase hard correct so when the final climb when the final uh, lap started mm. and they were on the hills it was pretty much every man for himself correct okay there was no you know they were not hampered by lacking support that belgium or spain or italy could have had mm. yeah and, and uh, i think one of the again another uniqueness about it is while of course even the trade teams on the classics run this way uh, uh it just brings in so much uncertainty you know you you still don't know who is going to do what you know with the trade teams again i think the roles and the definition of the roles is more clear cut or expected by their opponents as well probably within and outside the team in a, in a so so then how did uh, ala philip uh, uh, he he used their uh, the fact that there were a lot of burnt uh, matches from the other team members no i think ala philip did what ala philip does best <laughs> and on the the final steep climb of the mm. last lap he did his uh, huge attack you know yeah. his blitzing attack Mm-hmm. something like what we saw in milan san remo as well mm-hmm. and when he goes at one of those steep hills pretty much nobody can really match him yeah but i think milan san remo uh, wout van aert uh, wout van aert was able to you know, yeah. match that the, not this time yeah luckily for ala philip uh, wout van aert couldn't get mm-hmm. through to him on mm-hmm. the climb and he had about 15 seconds of gap i think at the top of that hill mm-hmm. last hill and i think 12 kilometers to go Mm. and there was this elite chase group formed behind which had wout van aert fuksang kwiatkowski mm-hmm. and roglic i believe mm-hmm. and they were trying to chase ala philip and and he had a very slender lead right 15 mm-hmm. seconds 12 kilometers to go mostly flat mm-hmm. or downhill descending it looked like they might be able to catch him mm-hmm. but i think wout van aert being a part of that group probably skewed ah. things off i think okay. nobody wanted to chase for wout van aert to win a sprint because he's he's that good in a sprint as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think that cohesion was lacking in that uh, yeah. chase group yeah i mean th- this happens so much more often than what we would uh, give it credence you know there are lot of times uh, the winners are more because the the people behind or even in the the lead group are uh, trying to make someone else lose rather than win themselves Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants 
the rest of everybody else to chase so that they can win the final sprint correct correct you don't want to do all the work and eventually lose out on the you know at the finish sprint mm. and, and 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 that's the beauty of correct. The, this tactical new that uh, riders take years to learn correct, correct how when to chase when not to chase when to bluff that's the uh, part of all the tactics that it takes time and some people are gifted with it correct i i wanted to correct that some people will never learn <laughs> because i mean it, yeah. it is uh, it is as simple as that it's, it's not something you could uh, you are guaranteed to learn as well you know because uh, the 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 key factor is also that you are having to do all this while you are the most tired you know absolutely yeah. so so it's it's much easier for us to you know sit and uh, tell that in yeah. a recording but after uh, having you know spent 250 kilometers on the saddle to to be even able to think of these in the microseconds absolutely it's, it's yeah. very difficult mm-hmm. and that's what happened uh, ala philip kept his 15 second lead right up to the finish line correct and behind uh, the chase group had that cat and mouse game mm-hmm. who's going to chase who's mm-hmm. not going to chase and they eventually had a bun- uh, sprint and bowed venat predicted yeah, he was came second and in fact bowed venat uh, finished second in both the mass start as well as the uh, individual time trial yes uh, yeah, yeah. yeah good so with that said let's move on to uh, our next favorite uh, uh, one day race of the season which was the Ronde van Vlaanderen <laughs> for the Tour of Flanders. So again, this race started with a bit of controversy. It was uh, a Belgian race, and Wout van Aert was uh, the local hero. Uh, and uh, just a few days before, during the week uh, in uh, in Ghent, Wevelgem, uh, uh, what we just talked about, you know, uh, MBDP, that is Matthew van der Poel and uh, Wout van Aert were. Uh, trying to make sure that the other person doesn't win and he ended up both not coming in the the podium uh, so and what uh, van art went and released a press statement with so many uh, with saying the same thing and i don't remember which uh, belgian ex racer was it uh, bunen or someone else uh, took offense to that and he didn't uh, he responded that that is how racers are and you know it was it was not something to complain about <laughs> so and it seemed it seemed to be following the same trend and uh, you know these two guys along with uh, um, Julian Ala Philip were uh, riding together had broken away and uh, it looked like all set for the three people to finish on the podium with about 30 35 kilometers to go so so then what happened after that i think uh, first of all we are in for a treat that you know that these two guys of the same generation mm-hmm. matthew vanderpoel and uh, wout van aert coming from cyclocross correct newly to the road and they are both very strong and very good in the classics mm-hmm. so i think the next few years it'll be a good contest to watch it'll be a good rivalry i think it, the way it is coming up correct so it's not going to be just i think this year correct, correct. so uh, yeah that is true <laughs> So I think Ala Philip had a bit of a distracting moment. Mm. I think thirty odd kilometers from the finish, mm. and uh, he collided with a police uh, or a TV motorbike. Yeah, and in in fact, very interestingly, we all say he collided with the mo- motorbike. Uh, 
the bike did not collide i think he hit the his arm hit the arm of the the cameraman and then he had a massive crash yeah i think it was uh, it was the rider's fault in this case yeah yeah and he paid for it he broke his elbow or, or something and yeah. he is out for the season obviously mm. and uh, that left the two cyclocross riders ex cx riders matthew vanderpoel and wout penart uh, to contest for the finish and again another beauty of uh, tour de uh, tour of flanders is that even a small gap twenty mm. second gap or a thirty second gap is just very phenomenally hard to breach once you lose that gap. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. there was a gap behind them. I think barely thirty five for or maybe forty five seconds back. Mm. But practically, it was just a contest between these two guys. There was yeah. no real chance of them to come up, come back. Yeah. That's the terrain. That's how the terrain is. You know, narrow roads somewhere mm. again cobbles. just very difficult to have a very good chase yeah. i think and what was very interesting in that finish was there were two xc riders riding a road race and it looked like a sprint velodrome finish because these two guys were riding and uh, vanderpol was looking over his shoulder uh, with what or not just on his wheel and you know it was it was if it was not the road and if it was uh, a velodrome it would have looked like a typical sprint uh, track sprint track yeah. sprint because uh, he was just looking over his shoulders and it you know uh, it looked exactly like what uh, would happen and uh, uh, even that uh, that probably 20 30 second sprint had so many stories right <laughs> you know matthew uh, uh, underpol was continuously watching out on art and then i think he saw and he almost kicked immediately and uh, it was not like wow to not could overtake him but he eventually he did overtake and then matthew underpol almost just managed to come back and uh, take over the sprint in the end and no, both of them did not know who won right and uh, no it is uh, even when we see the the real photo finish it, it's so sad to see somebody lose by that close margin right but i think well deserved victory for matthew vanderpoel yeah. and i mean if you think of it he has been the dominant cyclocross mm. rider in the last mm. half a decade and he almost overshadowed wout mm. uh, venart right i mean okay. over the last few years in cx mm-hmm. and uh, just this year he has had an average season correct uh he hasn't won much mm-hmm. just i think a couple of weeks before this he won his first race for the year mm-hmm. and while wout van aert had a fantastic season as mm-hmm. we all know right Correct. he won strade bianche in italy then he won milano sanremo mm, yeah even multiple stages of tour de france correct and then two two silvers at world championships absolutely mm-hmm. and uh, coming into you know this race mm-hmm. uh, it looked like wout van aert was the you know a bigger star mm-hmm. for the event so i think it was good comeback by matthew vanderpoel to enliven their rivalry for Correct. the coming seasons cool. so good to have that kind of thing going i mean yeah and you uh, know it's so interesting uh, and uh, if the olympics had happened this year uh, matthew vanderpoel was uh, who is also into mountain biking was supposed to represent uh, holland in uh, mountain biking and uh, when asked why he chose that he said that that is only other than the road race that was only cx is not there in uh, as a olympic sport so he wanted to win a olympic medal and that yeah. is why he wanted to contest in the right. mountain biking so 
hopefully we do have uh, him contesting next year in tokyo <laughs> yeah truly amazing mm-hmm. the the you know the wide diversity mathi vandepoil has mm. he has won everything in cyclocross mm. he has won uh, whenever he has actually ridden on the road mm. and mountain bike he has won some uh, he had that titles uh, he had that uh, phenomenal amstel gold race win last yes, year so, yeah. so that was yeah that was an, another story for another day i suppose but yeah, yeah just i mean he blew everybody out of the water that day yeah cool yeah i i just wonder now that if uh, the other young uh, belgian uh, remco 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 if he had not crashed out so early in the season he did have a great season opener yeah you know uh, i'm sure he he would have uh, at least been on the podium in one of the grand tours if not one uh, yeah if he had been uh, fit enough so yeah he's going to uh, be back uh, like what one at hopefully <laughs> next year and uh, win uh, give some competition to the uh, the next generation yeah i think i think nobody has a doubt on remco's mm-hmm. potential yeah. and this year also i think he won everything he uh, he were yeah entered correct yeah so i think and looking at the you know giro i think we'll talk about it later mm-hmm. i think he would have been uh, you know absolutely uh, the spot on the hot on favorite i think for the giro correct yeah so let's uh, uh, move on uh, to the giro then Giro has always been my favorite Grand Tour Gokul. I mean, mm-hmm. the Italian, uh, you know, countryside is far more beautiful. I feel more rugged, but more right. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And the the history and the legacy you see around the small Italian towns is just unparalleled. I mean, I think there is no nothing like Italy. Correct. That that, that is true. I mean, I uh, I think you you kind of uh, uh, summarized it beautifully that it is more. Uh, rugged uh, no? and yeah. with with france you expect that sophistication which is uh, completely absent uh, in uh, uh, the giro so again it was such a such a phenomenal giro uh, from the point of view of uh, team ineos because they started off with uh, um, uh, their yeah with uh, g crashing out uh, so early in the the first week and uh, and they almost look like they don't have anybody uh, at least i didn't never heard of uh, tau before this so yeah and uh, they had a very bad uh, tour de france and uh, uh, so it looked like they were going all downhill and uh, suddenly they came back and they had the one of their best grand tour finishes in terms of uh, the number of stage wins as well as the overall win so phenomenal uh, giro for uh, team ineos yeah so i think when uh, girant crashed i think in the first i think the third or the fourth stage correct uh, in sicily and eventually he abandoned i think on the first rest day i think i'm quite sure ineos decided to go stage hunting correct. for the rest of the giro mm. i i do not believe that they believed at that point of time that tau gegenhard was going to be their gc candidate now and they they going to push for it mm-hmm. and i think you know they they were they were sending out filippo ganna mm-hmm. and uh, rohan dennis everybody mm-hmm. out to you know try get into the breaks mm-hmm. try to win a stage 
and they and they did win uh, by handfuls right yeah in fact it looked like no uh, very interestingly uh, many times uh, uh, in in some of these grand tours there is a, um, a wild card entry just like it is given to various other sports to given to some teams and mostly it is a local team and uh, often there are uh, guys from the local team who are in a breakaway or stuff just to give some uh, coverage some coverage publicity. to their to, spon- to their sponsors yeah. or to their team show their jersey essentially know, or or they are just trying to get a contract the next year <laughs> or something like that and team ineos was almost pushed to that position no? to to justify their existence to win some stages to no to uh, to answer a few difficult questions and uh, it was a huge turnaround from there true but if you look at uh, the strength of team ineos mm. i mean it is unparalleled in the pro peloton i mean mm. uh, you would be surprised to know that their team budget last year was 50 million euros mm. and that is more than the combined budget of uh, ag2r mondial krupama mm. fdj and cofidis put together all mm. three put together okay so their their, their budget is uh, you know by far head and shoulders above anybody else mm. so that brings in a lot of riches in terms of talent over yeah. you have uh, a guy like uh, michael kwikowski yeah yeah the ex world champion and he is on uh, domestic duty throughout the year practically apart from a handful of uh, one day races one day races yeah uh, he won his first tour de france stage this year i mean mm. imagine a guy of his abilities correct uh, he would have been a leader in any other team mm. by far i mean if if you could just you know such a versatile uh, uh, you know reader uh, rider in fact uh, if uh, one of the good things about kwiatkowski especially from a uh, 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 an amateur uh, rider's point of view is he is one of those few riders who puts all his data on strava so i think uh, and he has some very interesting workouts you know in terms of just when you say about versatility the 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 cadence workouts he does you know he does 50 rpm cadence workouts and 140 rpm cadence workouts oh, so, so yeah so like uh, this guy is this is the definition of versatile and uh, i love the fact that he you know before the race is over i you can go to strava and see how the race went uh, by just following kwitoski right i'm sure sir dave brasford is not very happy with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah, you look at their uh, strength the bench strength the kind of people they have in their squad mm-hmm. so i think it was not unexpected that they won those many stages when they went out hunting for stages mm-hmm. and i think at, at one of those summit finishes uh, at rokaratso or one of those finishes mm-hmm. where tau suddenly actually uh, you know retrieved some of his lost time mm-hmm. that they actually started to believe that you know they pos- possibly have a, a chance of him finishing in the top 5 i mm-hmm. think yeah so i think they started to put more effort back in the gc race mm-hmm. and they you know pushed for tau to do well in the gc side Correct. but i'm i'm sure it was a huge huge surprise for them to even win it i mean yeah. on the last day of the race yeah and i mean a uh, lot of times uh, we were talking about strategizing and stuff and uh, it will be uh, very uh, interesting to for many uh, listeners to know that uh, the team strategizes especially team ineos strategizes to 
to get the jersey the yellow jersey as late as possible into the tour reason being uh, a, a stage winner or the yellow jersey holder has to go through so many more formalities and uh, press conferences and uh, uh, dope tests that uh, he ends up being the last guy to join the tour and uh, join the team back and he would have already lost uh, uh, his recovery would be significantly affected so if this ha- continues to happen on a daily basis that puts a huge load on uh, on um, the, the 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 leaders so probably things like that no he, the uh, i remember there was a uh, the leader who took the jersey for a long time was from quick step right yeah jose El- almeida right yeah almeida and uh, he did a fantastic job nobody expected him to yeah. hold on to the jersey for so long right. probably he did a you uh, know uh, did a favor to people like tau because he didn't have to go through all those press conferences right. leading up to the the final few days yeah but i think it was great publicity and great deal for uh, dukuni quick step correct to hold the maglia rosa for that long yeah i mean which if remco had been <laughs> in uh, uh, remco is in from the same team right yeah, so yeah. so if remco had been there he would have been a very genuine uh, uh, contestant for that uh, jersey right. anyways so good so uh, the, and uh, also I, um, uh, while i was preparing for this uh, um, the podcast i i just chanced upon a video of from 2014 uh and it was such a beautiful contrast of how life is uh in the 2014 october uh, um training camp of team ineos i think team sky at that time uh chris froome is interviewing uh tao who has just joined the team okay. about his day in the tour and uh, so um and this this was the last season for uh, uh, froom in uh, uh, the in the in the in the team ineos or team sky uh, you know legacy famous say so so and uh, and he was kind of introducing and uh, tao was talking about how uh, he was uh, for the first time he was in a team where the first language uh, of many of the co riders was not english <laughs> so so that is very interesting and you know such a huge change of ends i think that's journey i think lot of these uh, young riders mm-hmm. undergo and i think we romanticize the life of a pro cyclist but it is extremely hard oh that's difficult i thought <laughs> yeah i mean uh, uh, all these guys what they go through is not easy at all so. yeah and and you know cycling is not a very uh, rich sport if you compare it to like uh, soccer or basketball or correct tennis any mm. of these mm. i mean yeah the absolutely top stars they do earn a good amount of money but most of the lower tier riders are on very average uh, salaries yeah and in in just in terms of the calories burned probably the highest you know? yeah, <laughs> so that way the return on investment on calories burned is the poorest <laughs> in cycling i right. guess so so yeah. word of caution right to <laughs> budding pro cyclists yeah. cool so with that uh, shall we move on to the last uh, to uh, grand tour the vuelta um, yeah so yeah so the vuelta was uh, 
our uh, Primoz Roglic, it was almost like a you know, a hero who comes at the beginning and at the end. Uh, he was also the defending champion at uh, uh, the Vuelta. He had won it last year as well. So it is amazing. You know, he, he had such a phenomenal year and uh, nobody can take it away. Even though he lost Tour de France, he still had a fantastic race. And... Uh, uh, and uh, he he even went on to win uh, uh, one of the single day classics. I yeah, think. he won the Liege Bastion yeah, Liege. Liege Bastion Liege. Just yeah. uh, just uh, a few days before uh, the Tour of Flanders, right? Yeah, uh, and it was a very amazing uh, finish photograph if you remember, because Julian Alaphilippe in his rainbow jersey, uh, uh, he was celebrating too early with his arms spread out like an eagle, uh, <laughs> and. On the yeah. other side, uh, you know, he, he actually uh-huh. was, uh, he blocked uh, the sprint path of a couple of riders, including Pogacar. Uh, yeah. And on the other end, uh, Roglic sneaks in from under his arm and actually got to the finish line. Yeah. And anyways, I think uh, Julian Alaphilippe was relegated. Yeah, he even was. If, uh, even if Roglic had not stolen the race, he would still not have won. Right, yeah. So... so so, but uh, he, our uh, uh, Roglic continued uh, the trend and he, there was again now Team Ineos had uh, reinforcements uh, from Richard Carapaz who, who was, uh, who had done a, were some slight uh, changes in his uh, schedule because of uh, uh, G dropping out of 2D France and stuff. But uh, he was still um, probably his closest competitor and... Uh, what was most uh, surprising to me was the fact that uh, he didn't seem to be too much fatigued, uh, Roglic, and uh, he continued his form and took it through to the end. So, Yeah, I mean, Roglic has a, had a very amazing last four years, if you look at it. Mm. He's a very late entrant to pro cycling. Correct. He used to be a downhill skier. Mm. And he was, I, I believe, the junior champion. World in, champion. World champion mm. in downhill skiing. Mm, yeah. And very late, I think after a horrific crash or something, he moved on to cycling. Correct. As correct. if it was an easier sport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, the first time I saw him was in Giro d'Italia 2016. Correct. And he won his first time trial in mm. Uh, mm. the pro scene. Mm. And that's when you, you notice that there is this guy with a huge engine mm. coming up. The next year, he uh, wins, in, in his first ever Tour de France, he wins the Queen stage. Mm-hmm. He was not contesting for the general classification that year and he was, you know, trying out the breakaways and all. And the next year, he wins, he wins this, uh, you know, the Queen stage. And suddenly, the mainstream media and everybody notices that this ex-downhill mm-hmm. skier is now winning uh, in a stage in the Tour de France. So, he mm-hmm. got a lot of limelight out of that. Correct. The next year, he almost got to the podium of Tour de France, if you Correct. remember, Correct. 2018. Yeah. He was just nudged by Froome off mm. the podium on the last time trial. That Correct. Too. <laughs> Correct. 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 So, he has had a very rapid but very linear growth Correct. over the last four years. Yeah, and he, had a, he has had a few stutters in the third week. <laughs> <laughs> right. But you look at his year uh, in progression. I mm. mean, Roglic won so many, uh, you know, stepping up uh, events even this year yeah he actually won his uh, national road race like we discussed earlier Mm. he won a couple of uh, single week races like tour de lane Mm. and uh, he almost he was almost all set to win the criterium to dauphine before he abandoned for precautionary reasons correct 
so uh, it is almost very difficult to see a guy hold his form from you know uh, the beginning of the season right up to uh, vuelta di espania mm-hmm. although it was a compressed season generally a lot of these veterans they tend to you know peak for mm-hmm. one or two races mm-hmm. maybe three or four weeks mm-hmm. maximum but roglic has been able to hold his form for a very long period of time yeah i mean uh, if if you are into this what if scenarios right you know he it would have been phenomenal if he had won the tour de france because you know we talk about the tour doubles and this would have been a very unique tour double in the history of the sport you know yeah. uh, having won the tour de france and uh, uh, the vuelta in you know which were just spaced by a month or so right. so it would have been phenomenal but uh, still he did miss out on tour de france and but uh, and uh, no the how he managed the fatigue is very interesting no and it is a it is such a huge uh, uh, oxymoron <laughs> we talk about a guy who who stutters in the third week and this guy comes and does not stutter in the third grand tour if i may <laughs> say so no and such a difficult season and he held his own and especially it was surprising to see tom dumelon uh, drop out in the middle of the tour uh, middle of the vuelta uh, citing fatigue and uh, uh, and even sepkus opening his mouth in the last few <laughs> uh, no um, hill hill stages so it was phenomenal that he could still not lose it in the last week and uh, managed to see through the end right i think there is a lot of hunger it looks like you know mm. you can see a lot of hunger in his uh, eyes you know mm. i mean he is a late entrant he's he's 31 years old correct yeah for a guy who is in his fourth or fifth season he mm. he's very old mm. usually uh, you know all of lot of these guys by the age of 31 they are actually off their peak they're you know you're mm. starting to go a little downhill yeah i mean like you know, look at the others you no know, 23 21 year old <laughs> winning uh, the tours you now you know right. in the last couple of years yeah so roglic is a little different in that way because mm. he's a late entrant he's mm. still probably on his path up mm. although he's 31 years old correct and mm. and and we see he's learning every year as we, as we just talked about mm. his progression yeah. he's still learning he's still realizing what works for him mm. and i think although he did have a minor stutter mm. in the third week of volta mm. it was not half as bad as what he, mm. he had let's say in, in the giro of uh, last year yeah and and considering the season he has had i i think you cannot call this one a starter because sure, i mean yeah. I, finally he is human so yeah. <laughs> he played to his strength in the vuelta mm. he he got a lot of time bonuses he he does very well in the uphill sprints yeah so he he padded a lot of time bonuses uh, in the first two weeks yeah it, it is uh, good that you mentioned that actually he won only on time bonuses <laughs> if not for the time bonuses uh, carapaz won the sure. the yeah. um the duelta so he actually was slower but because of some of the top 3 finishes he he got those bonuses which hel- uh, helped right. him in the final thing and carapaz as well uh, who has also had a very silent uh, uh no he came into prominence almost out of nowhere in last year winning the giro and then came back this year and he did uh, fight it out very closely so uh, it was a good uh, good end to a great season 
yeah and i think carapaz had to prove a point because mm-hmm. last year his victory was slightly marred with the fact that nibali and roglic uh, who were the pre-race favorites mm-hmm. they were marking each other so much mm-hmm. that he had a lot more cushion mm-hmm. to go out and attack in a couple of hills and he he based his victory out of that yeah, yeah. now this year with the vuelta even though it was second to roglic he he proved to Correct. the world that it was not a fluke Correct. he's here to stay as a top uh, grand tour contender for the next year as well yeah, so i mean and uh, uh, very interesting and uh, the, the uh, while uh, we were all expecting uh, team jumbo visma as kind of become the numero uno now you know almost uh, uh, overtaking team ineos if not for the great zero uh, they had uh, and you know it's almost like with uh, so many people have sprung into prominence and also in fact some of them from unexpected corners right like people would have expected more from dumelin but uh, it came from in the form of uh, sepkus and uh, no about uh, one art rather than dumelin himself so while dumelin by his own standards had a very uh, okay season uh, he still jumbo visma had uh, has become such a team of strength and it is uh, i just think that it's going to be uh, you know even more exciting next year with remco back in uh, back in uh, on the saddle and uh, uh, with a slight change in uh, uh, chris froome moving to israel startup nation and you know the the team dynamics going to change again Yeah I think yeah next year is going to be another interesting year hopefully mm. and I think you know there is this new generation which suddenly has uh, sprung mm. up so if you look at the old veterans mm. you know people you know we are all fans of for mm. let's say Nibali Froome mm. Thomas mm. Greg Van Avermaet mm. Peter Sagan mm. now none of them really had a great year this year yeah, yeah. not even a okay year <laughs> <laughs> right so uh this year was dominated by almeidas tau mm. gegenhard mm. uh remko ivanpol even though he crashed early mm. and uh, you know pogacher mm. and uh, you know jay hendley mm. i mean nobody even knew his name i mean mm. I, i i mean we we just knew him as a helper you know mm. somebody who rides for the team in the mountains and all now these guys have sprung up in the prominence this correct. year correct and i think it will be a huge task for all of them to prove that this year was not an aberration for them correct correct and uh, and also like the, the strategy and tactics are going to change because uh, pogachar did manage to win solo this year but you know it's like the curse of the yeah. world you know rainbow jersey it's going to be the curse of the tour de france uh, in some ways to him because it's going to be super marked you know from next year onwards so it's going to be very difficult for him to win without uh, a proper team uh, yeah. around him no it's uh, they are not going to allow to do that so yeah, luckily uae emirates mm. is a rich team mm. and uh, i think they've been re- getting some reinforcements mm-hmm. as helpers i think they got rafael maika mm. signed up for the next year i think mm-hmm. so they they know that they lacked the support mm. a guy like pogacher would need in a grand tour mm. and next year he will not get the same cushion he got correct yeah so there's a lot of work for folks to be done but it's going to be an immensely uh, amazing year when remco goes against pogacher and roglic correct yeah and you know the oldies <laughs> will you know have their work cut out correct correct yeah. i mean and 
we almost didn't even talk about uh, Egan Bernal in the same length, you know, and they, he belongs to this generation, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. he was such a phenomenon last year, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the student overtaking the teacher kind of uh, uh, two difference last year. So, so I'm sure he is going to uh, uh, come back strong next year and uh, he's somebody, in fact, very interestingly, he had, I think, one of the best preparations pre-season. His, uh, he probably overcooked it, you know, some of uh, his miles he was doing so easily, 1000 kilometer uh, uh, weekly mileages and stuff like that, you know, prior to the start of the season. So, so and even the way he signed off from Tour de France was very uh, refreshing, you know, for, uh, for not being the tight upper lip that uh, Team Sky is known to yeah. be. So, so, so it's going to be a very... Uh, exciting season next year and uh, I think it was a great season this year as well it was in fact uh, what started off as uh, somebody thinking that whether we will even have a single race not only we did we have races it was probably the best time to follow cycling in the sense that you no, know, you had a, uh, it was like Champions League and uh, Premier League all happening at the same time you know, all condensed together in such a short period and not not a single race being uh, having to shut down early uh, because of uh, covid right so, so we still did lose a few uh, classics like the paris roubaix and i'm still gold but uh, but still we had a fantastic season yeah i think it was uh, i think it was very imperative for uci to somehow uh, have the tour de france go go through mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the the large sponsors mm. in the sport they exactly. are banking on the publicity that they will derive out of Tour de France. Correct. And if Tour de France had not happened, a lot of analysts had uh, thought that you know the sport as we know it might not remain as it is. Correct. A lot of these top sponsors might go away. Correct. So I think we were lucky that somehow we could manage to have uh, these major events go through yeah. in spite of the, the tight bubbles and mm-hmm. COVID scenario in all of these countries still go through. Yeah, I, I, uh, being in the trade, I can tell, I think cycling is one of the very few things that has, if at all anything, has benefited from COVID. <laughs> and, you know, cycling generally seems to have taken up, uh, uh, been taken up by a lot of the common man as well as uh, you know, the season did not have any interruption and it had a fantastic season. And uh, in some ways, I think it is, a, it is also a testimony to the fact that you, you never give up. You know, because that, that's what I can say. And, and cycling is one of those sports. You know, we talked about so many crashes. What, we, what some of us don't realize is those crashes happened and almost always the riders went ahead and completed the stage and they probably had to take their scans and x-rays the subsequent days to to decide to drop out which happened with g you know absolutely uh, yeah. in fact his first few scans were fine and uh, but uh, he did uh, suspect uh, that they, all things were not okay and i think an x-ray finally before the start yeah revealed that yeah. he had uh, broken his hip yeah so so i mean a great testimony to the spirit of cycling and uh, we there's a lot to learn from us instead of complaining i think we should just get back on the saddle <laughs> <laughs> surely i mean i think this year has uh, you know 
shown us that you know in spite of all this adversity mm. I mean, cycling can still go through correct and yeah i think we should all like mm. you mentioned mm. take that as a lesson correct and be more regular with our training right. and even fun cycling and maybe join one of those krish krish's <laughs> uh, you know famed tours across goa and uh, thailand and all i think yeah that would be lovely yeah yeah Yeah, I'm not sure you will lose a lot of weight if you join Krish, but you will have fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's best of both the worlds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you need some motivation in life. <laughs> so, on that uh, note, we will conclude the uh, the episode. I think it was a great fun uh, to be able to talk to uh, you and analyze the races and overcome my fear of uh, pronouncing some of these riders' names. Uh, and you know i think it was from that point of view also it was a tough season we had to learn so many more new names yeah. this year so thank you sandeep for uh, an exciting uh, analysis of this year's uh, season and thank you gokul for having me on the podcast it is always fun to generally talk about cycling and mm. uh, in this in our country where mm. you know cycling is you know a distant uh, <laughs> 70th or i don't know what uh, you know sport mm. nobody talks about it so it was a lot of fun to discuss the uh, ins and outs of the yeah. season yeah i mean that is the most irritating thing no when when i say i have a cycle shop and i'm going for a race most often people assume it's a slow cycling race <laughs> 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 so i i of course that is changing these days uh, so that's uh, good yeah. and i'm sure things will change no the, the general uptake of cycling is significantly increased this year yeah, so that's very heartening to know and yeah i hope uh, that continues and Yeah. I think I what I feel that you know when people ask when will we see an Indian in let's say Tour de France, I think we need a a, a far larger Indian audience first Correct. to build bring that interest to bring the sponsors and then only the need for an Indian to go into uh, you know the pro cycling will come up really that much. Yeah, and and I couldn't agree with you more because when I when I've been to. Uh, i think was it the 2017 or 18 national championships it happened uh, in uh, in a small place called jamkandi in karnataka um, a part of uh, bijapur and uh, that has traditionally produced uh, so many cyclists uh, so many great cyclists of the country and uh, you could i have never seen a race which had more participation from the community no the they it is a small town and all their roads were closed and people just left their jobs and came and watched the race amazing so uh, and th- those that is why there are a lot of uh, good champions even now people like shridhar sarvanur and okay. so many other good riders from the country come from that region uh, so uh, yeah we very well said and uh, the more we appreciate these races and we enjoy these races no we lot of people actually spend money to you were talking about being able to go and watch uh, uh, the the flanders at uh, quermont so uh, i'm sure we are you have many more opportunities to do that in india as well and then uh, once you do that you are going to see indians in, in the grand tour levels as right so in fact that that would be a message to all our cycling friends to you know introduce the love of uh, watching sports watching cycling as well mm. to our other friends mm. and i think if we do that that could help the sport in a broader sense correct and uh, it's a I, difficult sport to you know start appreciating correct to correct. begin with because you know 
nothing happens for hours in fact mm. if you look at a race like milan san remo mm. that goes on for about 7 to 8 hours correct <laughs> and then suddenly like a bomb it explodes in the last 20 minutes yeah and the you no know, if you have a commercial break there is more likely that there is a breakaway forming at that particular time no? so you right. never know what's going to happen man uh, in fact on that note uh, uh, what i would uh, uh, allow to say is many of us think that there are no races in india uh, that is not true there are races and uh, minor amateur level league circuits forming uh, wherein every rider uh, irrespective of their caliber can join uh, in fact there are some interesting handicapped based races that's happening i know of uh, races happening in bangalore chennai and hyderabad i will uh, make out a point to put uh, the 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 urls of these uh, uh, circuits so that you can uh, look up those and uh, join the races in fact the queen stage uh, of uh, the indian amateur cycling is called the nandi hill race and i think that's coming up uh, in a week or 10 days from now so i know some riders from hyderabad are going right. for that will our uh, local julian ala philip <laughs> anubhav karmakar have a chance there uh, anubhav is a local of uh, bangalore <laughs> now <laughs> uh, but he always reminds me of julian ala philip i mean <laughs> he has the you know the same body structure you know he has same facial uh, hair yeah. and the same temperament so yeah yeah, yeah i mean uh, yeah i'm sure uh, uh, i just heard our local version of remco yonapol has also come back that is aman is back in town so i don't know whether he's going to ride there he did get his bike uh, set up last week so yeah and for sure there will be a lot of uh, good riders i i see navin john riding in ooty probably in preparation for this i don't know so so yeah do follow that race as well i will put a link for that as well wonderful gokul mm. see you uh, riders and uh, uh, enjoy uh, uh, enjoy the support and uh, support the local races and go and have some fun and uh, don't hesitate to join one of these races bye bye bye